0: Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. I have to be honest with you today. I had a sermon prepared different than the one that I'm going to preach. I woke up this morning and uh, I just something, God laid something on my heart to, to share with you today. It's found in Luke chapter 15, and it may apply to you. It may not apply to you, but if I just sense that God gave it to me, so I'm going to preach it to you the best I can just like he gave it to me. That be all right? It's called playing games with God. Playing games with God. Luke chapter 14, I'm sorry I told you chapter 14, verse number 15 is where we'll start. And when one of them who sat at supper with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, He said unto him, he gives a parable, A certain man made a great supper and invited many to come. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them who were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first one said to him, Look, I bought a piece of ground. I'm, I'm, I need to go see it, and I pray you have me excused. Another one said, I have bought a yoke of oxen. I go to prove them, and I pray you have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done on who you have commanded, and yet there is room still. And the Lord said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that those men which were bidden, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Father, thank you again. And Father, there's in this day in which we live, there's many people that play games with God just like these here. And I pray that you give me the courage to preach this just like you gave it to me. And I pray that anointing of God. I don't know who it'll reach and who it'll touch and who it'll impact, but I know that you do. And for that, I give you thanks and praise, and I love you in Jesus' name, amen. These men here, they were playing games, weren't they? They were invited to go to a supper, they were invited to go to a meal, and they all gave pretty legitimate excuses, but the truth of the matter is they really didn't want to go, right? Right? Because if they would have gone, they would have been able to go. They could have pushed off looking at their land. They could have pushed off. They could have taken their wife to church, to the meal. They could have done, done other things b- beside missed this particular meal. And one thing that I learned as a Christian real quick is that sometimes you and I as believers play games with God. And sometimes people who are not believers, they do the exact same thing. They play games with God. And I want to talk to you about some games that maybe you've played in the past. And I want to talk to you and somehow correlate those to the games that people play today in the world in which we live. God wants everybody to come to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God doesn't want one person to die and miss heaven. He wants everybody. He died so that all men could come to know him. And yet many do all different types of things to keep themselves from making their calling and their election sure. Many people play these games. So let's start here. There's a game show called Let's Make a Deal. Let's Make a Deal is is a game show in which a person gets a gift. They get a prize. And there's the opportunity to exchange that prize for something else. And many times, and sometimes what they exchange it for is something better. Many times it's something worse. I mean, I've ever played or ever seen Let's Make a Deal. Okay. And many people in, in church, maybe people, people with God play the game, let's make a deal. And basically, they, they have God as the 911 God. They call on God when they're desperate and dire in need. But outside of that, they really don't have much time for God. If there's problems with money, oh, they call God, God, look, I need your help. If there's problems in relationships, God, I, I need you to fix this. Problem at work, God, I need you to help this. But outside of that, they're really not too much interested in God. They just need him when they really, when they really need him. It's kind of a weekend-type deal. It's like a love affair. They just go visiting when they're in need, and then outside of that, they want nothing to do with God. The Bible tells in, in the book of Judges, and if you read through it, it's the same story over and over again. Same song, different verse. The people would come to God. God would bless the people. The people would forget God. God would remove his hand. The enemy would come in and attack the people. Then the people would turn to God again, and God would bless the people. And then God would bless the people, and the people would forget about God. And then God would remove his protection, the enemy would come in, and then the people would cry out to God again. It was a pattern that went over and over and over again, and that's the let's make a deal type of of game. God, I just need you when I need you, but outside of that, I want you to know something that I'm really not interested in you. I just want you to get me out of my problem. Let me tell you, if that's a game that somebody's ever played, I've played that game a time or two. But I can tell you this, it didn't work for me, it didn't work for the, the book of Judges, it didn't work for you, because here's the thing, God always wants to be first place in our life. He doesn't do a very good job taking back seat. And the thing is, God will always continue to cause things to happen, things to go wrong, things to not work out like they're supposed to, until we get to the place where we say, God, look, I'm not putting you as a let's make a deal, God, I'm putting you in first place. That's the game of let's make a deal. There's another game, it's called hide and seek. How many have ever played hide-and-seek? Hide-and-seek is a kid's game. I think it's one of the first games we ever learned to play. I love to watch the kids in our church play hide-and-seek because they can pick some incredible places to hide. Anybody know where the the cafe is in the back? You know where we would put the cups in the – I've seen two or three kids hide up in there. I don't know how they got in there, but they were hiding there. Oh, there they go. There she is right there. It's hide and seek. It's a wonderful game, but sometimes playing the game of hide and seeking with the kingdom of God doesn't work either. Some people play the game as long as they think they can hear God calling them. That all is well. They skip church. They compromise with sin. and Every once in a while they pray, but they just want to keep God on the string just as long as they can reach out and know that God's there when they need him really not that dedicated to God, not really that concerned about God. They just want to keep him close enough to where when they need him, close enough that he's still there because they know that they need God in their life. I see this as a pastor. Many times there are people that have come maybe once or twice a year. Sometimes I hadn't seen them in years, but they still text me. They still call me. They just want to make sure that they're still kind of in the club, that they're still kind of with God, even though they want nothing to do with him outside of that. Once of God, this kind of hide and seek type thing is, is one of those things. It's the people who call. It's the Mr. Hoover who passed away recently. There was a young lady that used to, she testified that when she was growing and she wasn't living for God, she'd always call Brother Hoover's house because she was afraid she might have missed the rapture. And she would call, and as soon as he would say hello, she would hang up because she just wanted to make sure he was there. She knew enough about God to know she didn't want to miss the rapture, but she didn't, know, she didn't know enough about God to know that God wanted to walk with her and fellowship with her. King Saul in the Bible is the exact same way. He wanted to just look spiritual, so he stood next to Samuel the prophet. And Saul was one of those that he was, he was disobedient to God. He was filled with jealousy and rage and hate trying to kill David. He consorted with witch. He was involved in witchcraft, but he just wanted to keep his, his self close enough to make everybody think that he really was a good Christian or he really was a man of God. But he really had nothing to do with the things of God. See, in this world, sometimes it said something like this. Let's we want to get I wrote this down. It says the goal in this life is not to see how close to the world you can get and still make heaven, but the goal is to see how close to heaven you can get and still live in the world. And this type of game that's played, hide and seek, it's trying to be, live in both worlds. It's trying to have friends in the, in the world, and you have your church friends, and then you have your regular friends, and, and when you're with your church friends, you act churchy. But when you're with your regular friends, you act regular. And, when you, when, and the, the really scary part is when your church friends and your regular friends get together. Because you don't know which side to pick, but there's a thing, my friend, that God is saying there's a life to live and a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, and that is not just to hide and seek with God, but that is to live for God every single day of our lives. It's playing games, and God doesn't put up with it. The next game is The Price is Right. How many have ever seen the game The Price is Right? It's a game about value, and people see items, and they have to decide what the value of that item is. If you've ever seen the, the game, some people are really good at it, and some people are really not very good at it. Anyway, I saw a lady, with the, she had a, um, a washing machine. They asked her to bid on it. She bid like $5. She was just about $1,000 off. But none, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a way they win cash and prizes. And see, the thing is, is the world does the exact same thing, as they put a value on things. They put a value on stuff. And the person that plays games with God has not put the right value on the soul of a man. They hadn't put place the right price, the right value on the soul of a man because it's the most important thing that you and I possess. Jesus said it like this what benefit is it if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? He says this is anything worth more than your own soul? And the people live every single day, and Christians live every single day, supposed Christians, and they live, and they don't understand how important their soul is. Because the soul is the most important thing that you own because it's going to live forever. If I was going to give you $1,000 for your eyeballs, would you give them to me? What if I told you I'd give you, a, if I had a million dollars, and I was going to give you a million dollars for your eyes, would you give them to me? What if I told you this, I got $10 billion in my back pocket, and I'll give it to you if you'll give me both of your eyes? See, nobody would do that. Because you realize something, that your eyes are valuable. And how much more valuable is the soul of a man because the eyes are just the window to a soul. And yet people live every single day, and they don't consider the fact that at any moment their soul could be cast into eternity. It's a game that we play with God and say, God, you know what, I just kind of think maybe so, that uh, you know, it's important for me to live for you, it's important for me to do right, it's important for me to follow after you, but you know what, if I do, I do, if I don't, I don't. The next game is Jeopardy. And Jeopardy is a game where the answers are questions. It's one of those games that when I watched, I realized I would probably never be on the game of Jeopardy. The moderator asks the, gives the answer, and then the, the contestant has to g- give the question that goes along with the answer. It's an interesting game if you've ever watched it. And there is that person that they have question after question after question that keeps them from following after God. All the questions, if they could just answer these questions in life, they'd just, maybe they'd make a decision for Christ, but they don't ever answer the questions. And the questions, though, they're things that are important questions. Why do little babies get hurt? Why does God allow evil? Why is the Bible written just by men? Does God send people to hell? Is Jesus really the only way? And they have all these questions, and they never answer the question to where it brings them to a place where they come to Jesus. And the question is the stumbling block that stands in between them and God. And for those people, and we talked about it before church, those people that have all these questions about why God is this and why God is that, they have all these different particular things that they want to ask, but they never come to the place where they give God their, God their life. And I want to tell them, are you really okay if you, all you're asking and all this truth-seeking that you're looking for, are you really okay if when you come to the end of your conclusion you realize Jesus really is the only way? Are you okay with that? Or are you more concerned about being right? Are you more concerned about not just knowing the truth, but knowing a truth or your truth? Because the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I've heard people say this, okay, well, okay, preacher, what about this? What if you're wrong? Are you able to accept that as a fact? And that's a good question, and I appreciate that question. And yes, if we are wrong, if I'm wrong as a Christian, if I've placed my faith into Christ, my eternity into his hands, and I'm wrong, I'll be okay with that. Because I like to play the odds. And the odds are a whole lot better in my favor being right than in your favor being right. Because here's the thing, if, I've, if, I, if I'm wrong, I've just wasted my life. But if you're wrong, you've wasted eternity. And I like my odds a whole lot better than yours. The thing is, is I believe this, that the people that, that play the game of questions and asking God to answer all their questions before they'll give their life to Christ. I'm telling you, my friend, at the end of the day, even in this life, I'm going to be a whole lot better off than anybody else. Because the thing is, is I'm going to be a better citizen. If heaven, heaven wasn't even part of the deal, I'd still, we'd still be in a better place. Christians are better citizens. They're better husbands. They're better wives. They're better, they're better parents. They pay their taxes. They pray for their enemies. They're people that you would want to have in your, in your community or in your, in your nation. But even if all, that we've, we've, all we've believed is so far farce, we're still better off than the person who says there is no God. The next game is the game of called Chicken. You ever heard of the game Chicken? There's two cars, two bikes, two people running at each other. And one of them eventually is going to have to fall off because if not, they're going to crash into each other. And I've never played chicken. I really thought that was a dumb game. <laughs> I just thought it was a lose-lose. I just, if you feel like you want to play that and you want to win, I, before we even start, you go ahead and win. You've won. But it's the person that's waiting until their very last possible moment to commit their life to God. It's the person that's waiting to the very last moment. I want to live my life right now. I want to experience all that there is and then at some point I got enough sense to know I need to get my life right with God. It's the person who says, you know what, I'm going to go out and sow my wild oats and then when I get old and then when I have no more, God has no more use for me, then I'll give my life to God. And that's a game that you cannot play with God. Corinthians says it like this, in an acceptable time I've heard you. In the day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day to give your life to Christ. Today is the day to commit everything to him. Today is the day to not to hold back. Today is not the day to just make him Savior but not Lord. Today is the day to make him Savior and Lord of your life. Probably one of the things that have shook me the most in ministry is when we were, we were youth sponsors at a church here in town. And in in the same year, almost on the exact same day, we had two teenagers that were killed in car wrecks. Almost to the day. One girl had gotten involved in a car wreck. She ended up passing away. Another, a year later, there was a young man, a teenage boy, and he was driving in a car. The car went off the road, went into the river. It shook me up. These are young people. 16, 17 years old, their whole life was ahead of them. But how just like that, how in an instant, how just over, just in in the blink of an eye, just like that, they were thrust into eternity. Let me tell you, my friend, this is serious business. This thing about following God and playing games with God, don't play chicken with God. Because lots of people that you and I both know who should have lived to 80, should have lived to 100, died at 20. People that had everything, all gifts and abilities. Steve Jobs, one of the brightest minds in the world, brightest minds in the world. His life was snatched away from him at 50 something years old, 52 years old. There's probably people who are carrying uh, uh, weapons in church here. And um, if I took one of their weapons and I put a bullet in the chamber and I spun the, the wheel and I put it up to your head and I played Russian roulette with your life, would you pull the trigger? Would you take that kind of a chance with your own life? My friends, don't play chicken with God. Jesus, please don't play chicken with God. There's a parable of a rich man. And he says this. The Bible says that he had had one of the greatest harvests that he had ever had. Jesus told the story. He had a great harvest, and he thought to himself, he said, self, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll make bigger barns, and I'll put all my crop into the barns, and I'll sit back and I'll think, what a wonderful life I'll be able to live the rest of my days because I have so much. And Jesus said these words, he said, you fool, you don't know that this very night your life will be taken from you. Don't think that you've got time to, to get everything right. Don't think that you can play chicken with God. Don't think that you have lots of time and effort and energy and that at some point you'll get your life right with God. Jesus said it. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Don't remove yourself from the hand of God, but tell God, God, I need you right now. I can't get in the car again. I fear for people. If you're not right with God, do you not realize you're six foot from death just driving down the road of this in front of our church? At any moment, something could happen. God forbid but you could be thrust into eternity. It's the game of chicken. Don't play it with God. One of my favorite games was the game of pretend. You might ever play the game of pretend. It's a fun game because you can be anybody you want to be. When I was little, we'd play the game of pretend. If I was playing basketball, I was pretending that I was seven feet tall. When I was um, playing, when my sister and I we played pretend together, we pretended we were married. I mean, just, just you just play stuff, and I watched my mom and dad be married. So that's what we pretended. It was a fun game. There's different types of things you can do in, in playing the game of pretend. And there are those people that pretend to be a Christian. They hide among the Christian people. They act moral. They act right. They tell who their pastor is. They say the name of their church. They attend a particular body of believers, but they're really just pretending. They really haven't committed their life to God. The story in the Bible is a couple of pretenders. is Ananias and Sapphira. In the early church, because people were coming to God, the synagogue was kicking them out of the synagogue. They were accepting Christ, and so they would get kicked out of basically life as they knew it. Everything was tied to the synagogue, people's jobs, their livelihood, their homes, everything. When you got kicked out of the synagogue, it wasn't just like they kicked you out of church. They kicked you out of all of public life. And so people by the droves were, and they were losing their jobs. They were losing their, their, their livelihoods. And so there came to be a problem. So people began to give so that these people could be taken care of until they got back on their feet. People begin to sell houses and lands, the Bible says. And they brought the money to give it to the disciples. And then the apostles, they begin to disperse it out to those that are in need. And the Bible says that Ananias and Sapphira, they got caught on to this game. And they noticed how people were being so acclaimed and applauded because they had sold some of their assets and given them to this particular, this particular cause. And, and they did the same thing. They sold a piece of property and brought the, the, the price of it and gave it to, to, to Peter. The only problem was is they didn't bring the whole price. They'd kept back some of it for themselves. They were pretending that they were really generous, but in reality, they were not. They were really greedy. And Peter calls them out, and just like that, just like that, Ananias and Sapphira both dropped dead right there in church. I bet church would be full the next week if people just dropped dead because we didn't do right. They were pretending. They were acting one way around their friends and another way around church people. They were giving every excuse why not to live right. If the opportunity comes to sin, to get drunk, to be involved in sexual immorality, they would take it in. They are those, this particular game is the game of compromise. And they'll give you every excuse why they're not going to serve God, every excuse why they can't completely sell out to God. They'll consider changing churches because they don't like the sermon that's preached because it preaches against the sin that they're involved in. So they go down to one where they agree with what their sin is. Can I tell you, my friend, it's still, it's just a game. You can't play that game with God. This thing about it is, I, I know this oh too well. One of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever had is that I know I'm not living right. I'm not right with God, living right for God, but sitting in a church. That is one of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever had. Knowing, I'm not talking about there's just sin, not, that's something, maybe there's something somewhere behind that I don't know of that maybe I'm not doing right now. But knowing I wasn't living right for God, instead sitting in, in church pews, worshiping, lifting my hands, praying prayers, singing to God, knowing that things were not right, the most uncomfortable feeling. And what I was doing is I was being a pretender. And there's a problem with the pretender. Listen to me. The problem with the pretender is you're making every single person who's genuine look bad. Because all the people that you live with, all the people that you go with, and they see how you live and you don't live like you're a Christian. And they see that, then they think everybody else that's doing it is genuine, they think that they're the same way. Can I tell you, pretenders, sometimes the Bible says this, I wish you'd either be hot, I wish you'd be cold, but you're right in the middle, and you're, you're hurting the kingdom of God. You're hurting the people around you, the people that are genuine. The, the word, the technical word is antinomianism. And that's the Bible that says, oh, I live by grace, so I can, you know, I can live any way I want to because I live by grace. I'm going to do something, and I know I'm going to do it. It's going to be wrong, but that's okay. God will forgive me because I know he's a God of grace. It says, once saved, anything goes. Tell you, it's, it's a false doctrine. It's a game that's being played with God. And can I just, just to maybe somebody somewhere, can I just be, can we just be honest for a moment? Come on. You know you're not living right. You know it. You know that you have two lives. You have your church life and your other life, and, and they're not compatible. And Can you just be honest before God right now? Make a decision. Get all out. Go ahead and just go ahead and get all out. Or get all in, but don't stay in the the middle. Something about that. It's a game that we play with God. I can tell you firsthand, the game of pretend. It's a miserable way to live. And lastly today, one of my favorite games is the newlywed game. How many remember the newlywed game? It's where young couples who just gotten married and they're talking about all the wonders of uh, the honeymoon of being married. And they have questions that they answer. And they try to answer them in the same way. What's your favorite color? And the husband says blue. And then the wife they ask the wife the same question. question. What's your husband's favorite color? And she says green. It's fun just to watch them look at each other real funny. But it's, it's okay because they're, they're newlyweds. And there's a place in, in, in newlyweds, the one thing that, I, that it wasn't re- really real about it, it, w- it wasn't really a good picture of what marriage was about, because at some pi- point you have to get past that particular stage in your relationship. You like the feeling, but, but not really the responsibility. And sometimes Christians can be in that same place, or people can be in that same place. I, I like the feeling of being a Christian. I like the respect that goes with being a Christian. I like the morality that goes with being a Christian. I just don't necessarily like the responsibility. And you can't have one without the other. There's a responsibility to being a born-again believer. There's this responsibility that, you know, there's some people who will never join a church. I don't want to get involved in politics. My friend, love what Jesus loves, and he loves his church. Be a part of what God loves, and God loves his church. Don't ask him to serve in a local church. Don't ask them to give. My goodness, don't ever ask them to give. Don't ask them to, to get involved in missions or to, to to tell their friends or family about Jesus because they're too busy for that, or they have to they have things that they're working on. Don't ever ask them because they just don't want the responsibility. It's a game. The game is the newlywed game. Lee and I went to a store one time. We were buying a, a mattress, and uh, we walked in, and And there was one salesman there in the store, and he was sitting at the desk in the middle and had his Bible open. Well, you know, that's just for us as believers, that's open conversation. So he started talking about the, you know, things of God and had a good conversation. And, of course, the next question that you would ask somebody like that is, where do you go to church? He said, oh, no, no, I don't go to church. I don't believe in that organized church stuff. And uh, so we, I kind of I took me back because he really was, when you talk to him, he, he was very fluent in, in Scripture. You, he just knew what he was talking about. He, and so it just took me back. But the thing is, is I began to realize is that what he was doing, he was just playing a game, that newlywed game. And it said, you know what? I like all this. I like the, the wisdom of the Bible. I, I like the, the camaraderie. I like the fact that I get to go to heaven, but just don't ever ask me to get involved in, in, in the work of God. It's a game, friends. There's something about being about faith in the Christian faith, Christian walk that's important. And faith is just not faith sometimes we think faith is taking a risk. Peter stepping out on the boat. We say Peter stepped out in faith. He took a risk. Faith is partly about risk. But faith is also about being faithful. Being dependable. Being loyal to God. So when we talk about being faith, it's having faith. It's not just faith for a risk. It's faith to trust and be dependable that God can count on you if He needs you. And so when we pick and choose and cherry pick what we're going to do for God, what we're not going to do, go do for God. I hear people people say like this. They they make comments like this, and this lets me know they're playing the newlywed game. They'll say things like they'll say things like, "Oh yeah yeah, I go to lots of churches." In other words, what that said is I got commitment issues. They'll say things like, you know, I only get one day off. They'll say, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I work on Sundays. Well, we got church on Wednesday nights too. It's a wonderful thing. But you hear those excuses just like the excuses we read in our scripture today. We hear those and we realize it's a game that they're playing. I just don't want to commit. I don't want to make Jesus Christ my Lord. I just want to be able to go to heaven and enjoy him in the parts that I I want to enjoy him in. Friends, let me tell you something today. You cannot cherry pick what God has for us. The thing is, is he needs people that are not just faith filled, but people who are faithful as well. Isaiah 29 says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is another game that I played. For 19 years, I played athletics. I was a travel ball kid. And and the championships, the finals were always on Sunday, so I would always say, oh, but I got to play on Sunday. Oh, but I, I I got a tournament on this Sunday. And I was really just playing games with God. And I never realized until I really committed my life to Jesus that all of a sudden church became more important than any other activity I was involved in on Sundays. Committing our life to the kingdom of God. It's playing a game. It's playing a game. You ever heard of a CEO Christian? Christmas and Easter only Christian. It's a game. And I say that if you're watching this and you're a Christmas or Easter only Christian. I just want you to know something. You're playing a game with God. You really are. You're hiding among Christians. You're not, you're not saved. You don't love the things that God loves. And the thing is, is the first step is you got to say, look, God, I am going to commit my life to you no matter what. God didn't want you to be me. He didn't want you to be some kind of weirdo Christian that you have a picture of in your mind. He wants you right now serving you, serving him with all of your energy and all of your effort, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. There's games that we play. In the life of believers, there's games that we read about in our scripture today. But the thing is, is God's just looking for some people who will be honest and open with him and say, God, look, I give my life to you. I give my goals to you. I give my ambitions to you. Whatever happens, if I'm single and I want to be buried, but God, I give that to you. If I I don't have, have kids or I have 10 kids, God, I just give that to you my ambition, whatever I do in this life, whatever purpose I serve in this life, it doesn't matter, God, I give that to you. That's what Jesus is looking for today. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.